0: God wanted you to learn how to love, and so he puts you on the planet, and he puts you with people, okay? Now, some of those people might be your family, and some of those people might be your friends, and some of those people might be your church family, and some of those people might be your children, and some of those people might be your spouse. God has people around you, and it's really important that you learn how to do relationships well, because that's the, that's the environment, that's the lab where you're going to learn how to love. And that's one of the biggest reasons God puts you on the planet. Now, last week we talked about marriage. Today we're going to talk about family. But what are we talking about? We're talking about learning how to fight for your family. You're going to have to learn how to fight for your family if you're ever going to have an awesome family. Now, I'm going to tell you some things that aren't on this little piece of paper. that's why I ask you to put a pen in your hand. And anything that might be new to you or, or, or jumps off the, off the page at you, hey, write, write a little margin in the, in the margin there. Write yourself a little note about your family or about yourself or about your mom or dad or your children. Write yourself some notes there. But let me remind you, one of the most important things you might jot in the margin might be a little whisper and maybe something God says that I don't even say. Okay, and that's cool too, right? So what is what, one of the first things that you might want to write down is you can't have an awesome family by accident, okay? Here's a little clue. Awesome families do not happen by accident. Awesome families happen because people are intentional and they learn how to fight for their families. Now, I I was thinking about Job. By the way, where'd Job go? Joe probably went off to get some water. I don't know. After he sang his song, I'm sitting here and I'm looking for Joe, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm looking for Shanda, who is his wife, and I'm realizing Shanda's not even here. And all of a sudden, I realize Shanda's off with our student ministry up in Gatlinburg, right? She's off ministering to our teens this morning. and He's here singing to her, right? Hey, Joe, I'm talking about you. Welcome back. And um, and, and there's Joe. And uh, hey, hey, I was thinking about Joe and Shanda. There they were last week. I'm with you guys, and I'm preaching about marriage. And they're off on a marriage retreat. And Joe came up to me this morning and he said, uh, my time away working on my marriage was so important to me, so helpful that I went to one of my staff people this week and I said, you've got to go. And she came back within just a few minutes. She'd already registered for that retreat. And she was going off on the retreat. And here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can tell you. You only get out of something what you put into it. And when you invest in something, when you invest in your marriage, when you invest in your family, when you plant, when you sow, when you work with intentionality, when you learn how to fight and really fight for your family, you're going to get something out of it. Now, if you're just, if you're just going through life, you know, not worrying about things, not focusing on things, not being very intentional about either your parenting or your, or your marriage, listen, I can tell you where your, your, your marriage or your family is going to go. It's not static. It's going to either be moving forward or moving backwards, right? And so it's really important that you learn families, awesome families, don't happen by accident. It happens because people are very intentional and they learn how to fight. Opening scripture, you got that in your outline there? I'll put it up on the screen from Nehemiah. By the way, I chose this metaphor really, really intentionally, all right? It's the word fight. Fight. Learn how to fight. Listen to what Nehemiah said. By the way, you remember who Nehemiah was, right? Nehemiah had been sent by God to come back and rebuild Jerusalem after after enemies had torn it apart and the people had been in bondage. And when he starts rebuilding Jerusalem, when he gets all these families back together and and they start really reinstituting their worship of God and tearing down their idols, and they start really trying to rebuild their walls and provide security for their nation again, people start to threaten them and they want to come and attack them. Listen to Nehemiah's words. In chapter 4, it says this. This is Nehemiah speaking. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your families. Guys, they were under attack, okay? They were under attack, and he said, fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. Now, it's clear when you read that scripture who he's talking to, he's talking to men, right? Right? I mean, he says, hey, fight for your family, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. He's talking to men. He's talking to the men of the city. And he's saying, listen, listen, people don't want us to thrive. People don't want us to succeed. We're going to have to learn how to fight. And you're going to have to stand up right now for your family. Now, I could start today's message with a laundry list of things that are attacking your family, things that are throwing punches at your family. But suffice it to say, there are cultural things, there are social things, there's, there's media and TV that want to fight against your family, there's economic forces that are coming against your family. Listen, your family is under attack, and if you're not learning how to fight, listen, I can tell you, your family is going to suffer. How do you have an awesome family? What we're going to talk about today is I want to talk to you about how to fight, Okay? How do you fight? And before I go any further, hey, real quickly, Nehemiah's words up there one more time. Nehemiah's words. Here's the deal. Men, women, fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, I'm challenging you today to fight for your family. Fight for an awesome family. Because those, those words are right in Scripture. And here's the deal. A lot of people would say, is it even worth it? Maybe it's too late for my family. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, you know, my, my kids are already gone. Or, or maybe they would say, I don't even know how to fight for my family. They would come up with a thousand excuses why not to fight. Or oh, our family's just, our fa- you don't know my family, Stephen. It's hopeless. Listen, I would tell you this. Your family is worth fighting for. I'll say it again. Your family is worth fighting for. So you got to know how to fight. All right. Today, I want to talk to you about four ways that really these are common denominators around awesome families, not average families, okay? These are four common denominators around awesome families. And I would even say, those of you who are leaders in the church, you might want to take a little side note. I think these are also Uh, Common denominators of an awesome church. But anyway, that's a different thing. That's a spiritual family, right? These are four common denominators around awesome families. And every one of them, I'm going to use a metaphor first. So I'm not going to give you a fill in the blank first. I'm going to give you a metaphor first, all right? And here's the first metaphor of the day. Y'all tell me what this is. A Monopoly game, right? First metaphor of the day is Monopoly. Truth be told, how many of you love Monopoly? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you hate Monopoly? Raise your hand. All right, some of us in there, right? Okay. Well, I, I could have chosen any board game, but here's the idea. Write this one down. The first common denominators of awesome families is fam- awesome families know how to be playful together, they know how to have fun. Awesome families are playful. That's what they are. They have fun together, okay? Now, I might have picked a better board game. Yes, I might have, because man, sometimes Monopoly. We get real competitive, don't we? It's not like shoots and ladders. Remember the little child's game? shoots and ladders, you know, or something. In Monopoly, we can want to take each other's homes and houses and heads. That's what we do in Monopoly sometimes, right? But the idea here is that an awesome family has got to learn how to have fun together. Listen, we need to have fun. Average families. You know what average families are? Average families are boring. <laughs> average families are busy. Average families are tired. Average families are negative. Average families are stressful. Average families don't know how to have fun. And we got to know how to have fun if you want to have an awesome family. My wife will tell you that um, sometimes to a fault, I have always tried to have a lot of fun with my kids, a lot of fun. I want my kids to know that our home is fun. I'm going to leave that kind of sitting right there for right now. But I want you to think about your family. Did you grow up in a family that knew how to have fun? Have you started building a family that knows how to have fun? Do you know how to have fun? Hey, listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8.15. This is Solomon, by the way. This is the guy who said, God, if you give me one thing, here's the one thing I want. I want wisdom. And God said... Okay, I'll give you wisdom. God gave him wisdom. One of the wisest men who ever walked the planet. Listen to what he said. So I commend the enjoyment of life. He's saying, I I recommend this to you. Enjoy your life. Because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. And then joy will accompany them in their toil of all the days of life God has given them under the sun. What he's saying there is enjoy life. Don't be serious all the time in your family. God puts you here to have fun. All work, no play makes Jack a dull boy, right? And all work, no play in your home makes your family boring and dull. It just does. So one of the first common denominators of an awesome family is they know how to have fun together and they are playful, um, let me give you an example of, of how I've, I've watched that even happen in our ministries here. Uh, we have a ministry here that happens every day of the week for our children, uh, who we call it a kind of preschool. We call that ministry PALS, P-A-L-Z. Anybody know what PALS stands for? Don't, if you work for PALS, don't tell them, okay? Anybody know what PALS stands for? What's it stand for? P-A-L-Z. There you go. Play and learn zone. Play and learn zone. Tammy Miller, when she was naming our ministry, pals, she named it because she knows, she knows what you already know. And that is that these when children are small, one of the greatest ways they learn is through play. And they play and they learn at the same time in our pals ministry. And I think that's something that we have to remember about how God wired us. God doesn't want us all serious, all work, all the time. God wants us really to learn how to have fun. Read this with me in 1 Timothy 6.17. Maybe you'll remember this scripture from the last series we did. 1 Timothy 6.17. God richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. You might want to circle that word. God has given you what you have so that you can enjoy it. What does that mean, Stephen? That means life is meant to be enjoyed, not simply endured. But a lot of people are just enduring life. They're not really enjoying the life that they have with their family. And so if you're, if you're here today and you're saying, ah, Stephen, I would love to enjoy my family more. We're just too busy. I would tell you if you're too busy to enjoy life, you're too busy. Because God puts you on the planet to enjoy life. Read this, Ecclesiastes 11.8. People ought to enjoy every day of their lives no matter how long they live I, I, in my in my outline, I underline the word "every enjoy every day why is, why does is god 's word say "enjoy every day because you don 't know how many days you got right i mean you don 't know how many days you 're going to be on the planet. I lost my dad when I was twenty years old, and i've thought about it a lot this week as we as we uh, said goodbye to a dear loved one in, the, in our church here, David Herring. And I've, I've been praying a lot for Steve and John David and Paul, uh, his sons and that whole family. They had David for a long time. But it's made me ponder a little bit about how I lost my dad when I was a sophomore in college, 20 years of age. And you know what? If I'd have known that I was going to lose my dad so, long, so early in life, can you imagine how, much, how many more conversations I would have tried to have with him? Can you imagine how many more times we'd try to stand in the front yard and throw some football together? I think what God's Word is saying is you don't know how long you have. And so you have got to enjoy life with the family that God has given you. Ecclesiastes nine. 9 these are all words of, of Solomon, right? These are, this is the wise guy. Um, enjoy life with your wife. So that's a a message to men, right? Hey, hey, if you're a dad in the room here or if you're a granddad, here's a good message to you. Let me just talk to the dads first. You know what the greatest gift you can give to your children is? It's not stuff. It's loving their mother. That is the greatest gift that you can give to them because it provides stability. It it provides reliability and security and peace inside the home. When you really focus in on loving their mom, it's the greatest gift you're ever going to give to those children. And I would say that to granddads as well. Loving your gran- your, their grandmother, you're giving a gift to those grandkids. Enjoy life with your wife. Now, when we talk about awesome families learning how to play together and really fighting for their family because they're having fun, here's the facts. Your family is not a boot camp, okay? Have you ever thought about that before? Your family, so don't run it like it's a boot camp, Okay? Another fact, your family is not a business. So don't try to run it like it's a business, okay? Your family is a family. And you've got to learn how to have fun together. And a lot of times, your play together, your love comes out. I don't know what kind of granddad I'm gonna be. One day I do. But can I just tell you, I was thinking about it in preparation for this message. I hope that I'm one of those goofy granddaddies who will do anything to make my kids laugh. I hope I'm one of those granddaddies that's just unsophisticated and just loves on my kids and not one of those kind of, you ever seen the stuffy granddads that, you know, they're just a bigger portion of their self earlier. They got to look good. Listen, I want to tell you, listen, it is important that our kids see us have fun. It's important that we be goofy sometimes with our grandkids or our kids because that that ability to play makes an awesome family. Look at Psalm 127.3. Children are a gift from God. They are His reward. Now, if we're honest, sometimes they're the gift that we want to return or exchange, right? I mean, okay, right? But the Bible says they're a gift all the same and that we have to relish and cherish that gift. And I think play has a big part to do with that. And then finally, uh, one more scripture. And by the way, it's the very same scripture that I read earlier, but it's a different translation. Have you ever noticed sometimes, guys, when I'm preaching, I use different translations all over the map? I think translations sometimes give us a little different slice of how it might be thought of or said when reading a scripture. Earlier, I read to you Ecclesiastes 8.15 from the NIV. Now let me read the same scripture from the NLT, the New Living Translation. I like this verse. It says this, Solomon's words, I recommend having fun. You might want to underline that, by the way. I recommend having fun. Those are Solomon's words. Because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along all the hard work God gives for them under the sun. A few weeks ago, I was on Facebook, and uh, sometimes Facebook's good, and um, somebody shot a video out there, and I pulled it up, and it was actually probably my favorite TV show of all time, and it had two of my favorite characters of all time, and I wanted to share it with you today, When we're talking about having fun, and in that case, Solomon says, I I, I want you to have fun, because fun kind of balances out the hard work. Watch these two guys right here, Paws and Sons, the rules of Paws and
1: Sons. Now, what's this about rules for Paws and Sons?
2: This first. Hmm. The 75-cent rule.
1: The 75-cent rule? I don't, uh, I don't believe I ever heard of that one.
2: Well, and that's what I figured. Hmm. What it is, Pa, is that nowadays kids get 75 cents a week allowance instead of 25 cents.
1: 75 cents? That's a lot of money. And in a year's time, I'd come to see there's 52 weeks in a year,
2: it
1: comes to around $40 a year. <laughs> That's an awful lot of money for a young. They get it, Pa. They do, huh?
2: And they don't have to work for it like I do.
1: Hmm. Well, who is this, uh, this they you keep talking about?
2: Oh, Arnold Winkler and everybody.
1: Arnold Winkler. I don't believe I know him, do I?
2: They're new from Raleigh.
1: Oh, I see. And, and the Raleigh rules say, uh, say 75 cents and no work, huh? I guess. mm mm-hmm. You want it straight, don't you? Uh
2: huh.
1: Okay, here it goes. There are no rules for paws and sons. Uh, it's as simple as this: each uh, each mother or father raises his boy or girl, as the case may be, the way that uh, he thinks is best. And I think it's best for you to get a quarter and work for it. You see, when you give something, in this instance, cleaning the garage, and you get something in return like a quarter, well, that's the greatest feeling in the world. You do feel good after working, don't you?
2: Uh-huh. Good and tired.
1: <laughs> well, as uh, as you get bigger, well, you'll be doing more and more work for more and more return, and that good feeling will get bigger. Do you understand what I mean?
2: I think so. Good. I'm not gonna get the 75 cents. <laughs> and I have to work for the 25.
1: Right. All clear to you?
2: Yeah. The bigger you get, the tireder you get. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, you, just, you just think about that for a while. Do I have to? Don't you want to think about it?
2: It makes me kind of sad.
1: <laughs> well, the thing to do when you're feeling sad is to shoot for the good feeling.
2: Clean the garage. Right. It's a long, It's a long, ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so long, Paul. Hey, listen, you know what the Bible says, and we all know this. The Bible says that if you don't work, you don't eat, right? And a lot of times we teach our kids that part of the Bible. We teach them a work ethic. We teach them how to work. We teach them how to go. But here's the, here's the flip side of that. And Solomon's right about the whole thing in Ecclesiastes. He says, listen, you're going to have, teach your kids, it's going to be a hard life. There's going to be some tough times in life. And there's going to be a work side of life. So you've got to learn how to have the enjoyment side of life too. Learn how to have fun as well. First trait for awesome families is awesome families know how to play together. They know how to have fun together. And I think average families don't know how to do that. Write this one down. Oh, oh no, 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 don't write it down yet. Second metaphor, right? Here's a second metaphor. What is this? Say it out loud. A watering can. Watering can represents growth. If you got your pen, write this down if you will. Awesome families encourage growth. Awesome families are not about staying the same. They're about trying to grow together. They're about trying to grow up. Now, we're not talking about just kids, okay? When I talk about awesome families are encouraging growth, that means dad never stops growing. Mom never stops growing. The kids don't stop growing. Together, we are going to grow. Now, let me tell you, let me go back to those average families for a minute, okay? Average families don't grow. They're the same as they were before. Now, here's the question to every dad in this place and every mom in this class: Are you smarter this year than you were last year? Are you growing? I mean, have you grown, and what are you doing to grow? See, awesome families encourage growth. Look at this scripture from Luke two fifty two. Jesus grew in wisdom, underline that word, and stature, underline that word, in favor with God, underline favor with God, and man, underline the word man. Do you realize that's four different types of growth? Has that ever dawned on you, that very short scripture that is about how Jesus was growing up as a child? Has that ever dawned on you, the four different types of growth right there? Look at them. It's very simple. And I think it's just so brilliant. The Holy Spirit gives us this, right? Jesus grew in wisdom. What is that? That's intellect, right? Intellectual growth. He grew in stature. That's physical growth. He grew up in stature, right? Look at the next one. He grew in favor with God. That's spiritual growth. You see that? And then finally, and man, that's social growth. Do you see the four different ways Jesus was growing? And here's the point. We have all, dad, mom, kids, everybody in the family, awesome families grow. And they don't stop growing. Now, in your outline today, I wrote down a few thoughts about this growth thing and I I think there are five things that our kids have got to learn and grow to learn in our homes. And if they get to the place where they're moving out of our homes and they haven't learned these five things, it's going to be a mess in their world because they will not have grown to learn these things from moms and dads who are growing and learning these things as well. And I'm going to go go through them really quick, but I think they're important. And if you're a mom or a dad, I hope that you'll take note because this is a way that you can teach and grow inside your family and make sure you're fighting for your family kind of like Andy was doing with Opie, trying to teach him very important lessons. And the first one is this, five things that if you don't learn at home, you're in a mess once you get out in the real world. And the first one is this, how to deal with your feelings, how to deal with how you feel, how to deal with your feelings. What do you mean by that, Stephen? I mean, our children have got to learn how to recognize how they feel, not feel guilty for how they feel. Learn how to name how they feel, learn how to express how they feel. It is really important for our children while they're growing up to learn how to express and to deal with their feelings. Have you ever seen the, the kid crying in the grocery store uh, the, or, or Walmart and the mom and dad says, You stop crying right now. You ever seen that before, right? Which makes no sense because the kid goes, <laughs> You know, they're doing all that because it's really hard to stop the feelings. And the truth of the matter is, it's not really good. I mean, I know why we do that. I I get why we do that. But that's a great metaphor for uh, a child that grows up in a home and is taught to stuff their feelings, not not to ever learn how to express their feelings. And let me tell you, a lot of kids grow up in homes where they're never taught how to recognize their feelings, express their feelings, how to deal with their feelings. You know what they're taught to do? They're taught to take their feelings and just shove them under the rug and act like they're not there. They're taught to do that, and they're never really taught to how, to how to deal with how they feel. I think it's very important in our homes. We teach our kids with, to, how to deal with what they feel. Deal with their emotions. Here's a second one. They need to learn how to handle conflict. By the way, I would even say mom and dad need to learn how to handle conflict right too. Handling conflict is so important, and it's so many times it's done the wrong way. Conflict comes, we, we handle our conflict by yelling, by saying things we should never say, instead of understanding that conflict dealt with in healthy ways will always take us to a deeper place of intimacy. Our children, listen, our children model what they see. So if you don't know how to deal with conflict well, your children will grow up. Modeling how they saw you deal with conflict. This is why it's important for moms and dads and all the kids to never stop growing. Are you reading? Are you learning? Are you, do you know how to handle conflict? And if you don't, learn it quick. Get into it and, and watch and read and learn how to handle conflict. A third one, how to handle loss. How to handle loss. A lot of children are, are never taught, again, how to handle loss. They're, they're almost um, insulated. And they're almost bubble wrapped and they're almost kept at this place where, you know, loss isn't really going to happen for you or you don't have to worry about this. And then, you know what happens in the real world, right? They grow up and everybody's going to experience loss, loss of a job, loss of a house, loss of death of a death of a loved one, loss of a relationship. Our children will experience loss. And here's the question. Do we know how to handle loss and are we teaching our children to know how to handle loss. A couple more real quickly. Uh, Here's one. What values matter most? Write that one down. We need to teach our children what values matter most. Because if we don't teach them the values that matter the most, they're going to pull the values from somewhere else. And it's more than likely going to be their school or their friends or their TV shows. They're going to pull their values from somewhere. And so we need to be very intentional about the values we're teaching our children and then, and then final thought here, another thing. They need to learn from us good habits, not bad habits. You can find bad habits everywhere. Bad habits are all around us all the time. The question is, are our children learning good habits? And I'll say it one more time. Our children learn and model from us. They, whatever they see, that's what they do. So what are the good habits? I mean, I love the fact that you're in church today, so I'm not going to preach to the choir, right? But if your child sees you going to church to be with other Christians, you're modeling a good habit, right? I'm not, this is not me by myself. I'm going to learn. I'm going to meet with other Christians. I'm going to grow closer to God. Your children, your grandchildren will model you if they see you doing it. Teaching them good habits. Are we are you teaching them the right the way to, to fill themselves with good stuff and not bad stuff? Are you are you modeling the right kind of movies or the right kind of radio, the right kind of music to listen to? Model that for our children. Here's, here's the scripture: Deuteronomy 6, 7. This is Moses talking to parents. You must teach them to your children. What's he talking about? He's talking about God's word. You must teach God's laws and his precepts, God's ways. You must teach God's word to your children. And talk, talk about them when you're at home and when you're out for a walk. Talk with them at bedtime. And, and the first thing in the morning, he's saying, teach your children. One final thought here real quickly. If you're going to have an awesome family, it's got to, it's got to be a family that continues to grow, right? Here's the final thought. Growth doesn't happen through criticism. And a lot of people think that. You might want to write that down in the margin somewhere. Growth doesn't happen by you criticizing your kids all the time and you, you saying, well, this and that, you're doing this and that wrong. That's not really how growth happens. Growth happens right here from Moses' words as we teach our children. And the best teachers, listen, my wife is a teacher, the best teachers don't spend their day criticizing our children, right? So we as parents have to be very careful about criticizing our kids. They don't learn through criticism. And here's the second thing. They really don't learn well by comparison. By comparison. So be very careful. That when you're trying to help your kids grow. You're taking that criticism stuff. Take it out of the equation. That comparison stuff. Take it out of the equation. See the water can? You know what Moses was saying? He was saying it's so important. That you are growing. And that as you journey along the way. That you are helping them grow. Teaching them God's word. Do it at all times. Do it while you're walking down the road. Do it while it's nighttime and in the bed. Do it in the early morning. You are responsible for growing your family. That's how you learn how to fight. How are you growing? Third thing, third metaphor. Okay, I got to give a little caveat here on this third metaphor. Um, Don't get caught up in the symbol of the metaphor. Nod your head. Okay. Don't get caught up in the um, color of the metaphor. Nod your head. Okay. Because it's just the only one I got. Okay. I, I had to go to my own closet to find this. And it's a poncho, and um, it's what I wear at the University of Georgia football games, okay? Uh, So, I'm going to put this on for a minute, because this this is the metaphor for awesome families, all right? The third thing, right? It's the idea of a poncho, of a raincoat, all right? It's the idea that a family, an awesome family, is a protection in the life in storms, all right? That's what your family needs to be, a protection in the life that where storms are going to come. You, we have to learn how to protect each other. And by the way, I'm not just talking about moms and dads protecting each other or protecting our kids. I'm talking about learning every member how to protect the rest of the family. Jesus one time was teaching Matthew 5. Uh, it's Sermon on the Mount, right? And when Jesus was teaching the, what I believe to be the most famous sermon ever preached, the best sermon ever preached, Matthew 5 through 7, he said it this way in Matthew 5. And it talks about storms, right? Life's going to be difficult. God causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And what does that teach me? You know what that teaches me? That, that means no matter how you do life, whether you do life the right way or the wrong way, You're going to have sunshine and you're going to have rain come your way, okay? Because that's how God works. Let me say that a little differently. You can be doing all the right things as a family and storms are going to come your way, okay? You're going to have storms. And the question is, have you really learned in your family how to protect each other? Now, before I take this poncho off, this this metaphor of a raincoat off, let me just remind you one more time. Hey, dads, dads are going to have storms, And the family's got to learn how to protect dad during those times. Moms are going to have storms. Every day's not going to be great for them either, right? And our families have to learn how to protect each other and help mom out when she's going through a storm. Everybody, our children, everybody is going to have storms. Sometimes we go through them together. Sometimes we go through them individually. Awesome families learn how to really protect each other. So let's talk about how we do that. It's gonna be a little bit harder to put this metaphor up here. Is that sacrilege to put an oval G on communion? Anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about what it means to protect each other. Uh, read that scripture with me that, that's in that, that that first scripture from Matthew, I'm sorry, from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better off than one, because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad because there's no one to help him. What does that teach me? That teaches me simply this. In our families, we absolutely need each other. And especially our kids need us. Our kids need us to care for them. And so what are some of the ways that, some, what are some of the storms that I can promise you are going to come into your family? Real quickly, just three things I want you to write down. These are three different storms that every one of us can go through, okay? And by the way, in any one of us, when we hit these storms, the rest of the family needs to be there for us. The first one is this write this down, change. Change is going to come into your family, all right? It's going to hit us individually sometimes, and sometimes it's going to hit us collectively all together in your family. And awesome families protect each other when change comes our ways. Now, you can name the change. There's a thousand different changes that can, can, can come your way. It might be economic. It might be relational. It might be, you know, you move into a new house. You lost a job, a bankruptcy, a divorce. There's lots of different changes that can come your way. But here's how change happens, all right? Have you ever been driving down the road? You just, you're just driving down the road. And all of a sudden, there's a pothole, and you can't miss it. You ever, has ever ever jumped up on you like that before? I mean, that happened to me recently. And all of a sudden, there was a big pothole, and I couldn't swerve to get out of the way of it, and I just kind of had to hold on. And bam, you know, the whole car, one wheel, goes in the big old pothole, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my, my whole, I'm, I'm worried about my tire. I'm worried about my alignment. That's how change happens. It's like when you hit a, hit a hole, hit a bump you weren't expecting. And all of a sudden, everything, everything twitches, everything, everything changes for you. And it's almost, you know, if you hit a big enough pothole, if it can be a big enough change moment, you got to take the car back into the shop just to get it realigned, right? Because it's thrown everything off. In our families, changes, when they happen, most of the time, they happen like potholes. They're surprises. They just come out of nowhere, All right. And in those moments, we've got to protect each other, right? This is not a second, a second um, uh, storm of life that can that can hit us and will hit us and and the hits every member of the family, not just our children. Harmful ideas, harmful ideas. What do you mean by that, Stephen? Negative thinking, what I called last week, stinking thinking. Okay. every one of us, every member of the family is going to have some stinking thinking come into their world. All right. And that stinking thinking can lead them down the wrong places. They can learn some junk. They can learn things wrong. They can learn things bad. And all of a sudden, their mind gets going somewhere where we need to help them redirect it back to a better place. See, I think that's the job of a family, to come alongside when somebody else gets pointed the wrong way, gets directionally challenged, gets moving the wrong way. Can I just pause for a minute? I've learned this so well in my own world from a very godly father-in-law. I remember when me and my wife were early in our marriage, we used to fight about molehills. We would just be at each other's throat, right? And in those early days, you're so young, you think everything matters, you know, and you're ready to fight at anything. And I remember my father-in-law over and over again just coming in and seeing the stinking thinking that we had going on, that it was me against you, it was our war, you know, I'm going to win, all that stupid stinking thinking we had. And he'd look at us and he'd sit down with us and he'd say, do you realize this is not one against the other? Do you realize that Satan is eating your lunch? He would just direct us. We were going through a storm. He would guide the ship. He would set the sail. He'd remind us the most important thing. And he would say right now, this is not you versus you. He would help our stinking thinking. He'd go back to the Bible, and he'd say, here's the truth. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. Let's don't let him do that. Guys, harmful ideas come to every member of our family. And I think that's awesome families address the harmful ideas and teach their families, direct their families, guide their families away from stinking thinking. Average families just go, it doesn't really matter. They're not very intentional. And then finally, the third storm. And the third storm is rejection. Our, every family member will experience rejection somewhere along the way. And whether that's betrayal or whether that's hurt, whether... Whatever that rejection, however it presents itself, it can be that you got fired, dad got fired from his job, wasn't doing his job the way they wanted to do it, and he feels rejected. Here's what you need to know. Awesome families, when rejection happens, the family needs to be around because when you're hurt and you're betrayed, nobody should be in that storm alone. Awesome families need to go and be there with them. That's what Ecclesiastes was saying, be there with them in the storm. That's what awesome families do. I know I skipped a scripture. Did you notice that? Did you know, anybody notice I skipped a scripture? Let's go back to that scripture I skipped. The this, this Psalm 71.9. And now in my old age, the psalmist says, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. Can I just tell you just one more final thought there about awesome families? I think awesome families look after our aging parents, look after our aging loved ones well because we understand the biblical command that when we go through our storm in life, we don't go through it alone. I can tell you, one day I'm going to be a lot older than I am today, Lord willing. Lord willing, and and he doesn't come back soon enough. I I hope be as as old as Big Mama one day or Miss Jenny. I, I I want to outlive you guys, all right? But here's the deal. I hope that my children and I hope that my grandchildren will have learned what an awesome family is. And I hope that, like the psalmist, that they'll—I don't even have to communicate those words. They'll know that when I'm going through my storm of life, when I'm older, I won't go through it alone. Because awesome families take care of each other, no matter, no matter the storm, no matter when it is. I'm gonna say that differently. Awesome families fight for each other. It doesn't matter whether they're a young family or they're an old family, whether they're a family in crisis or a family going—awesome families learn how to fight for each other, no matter where they're at. What have you said? We said awesome families learn how to have fun together, right? Monopoly board, right? Your family is not a boot camp. Your family is not a business. Your family is a family. Have fun together and enjoy life. We said awesome families encourage growth. Nobody should stay the same. Average families are boring and they stay the same. Awesome families, everybody wants to keep growing and you're learning together. Awesome families, third metaphor. Awesome families protect each other in the storms of life. And final metaphor, final metaphor real quickly. And I could have picked a whole bunch of them for this. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put on work gloves, okay? Because this is kind of a double metaphor. Awesome families know how to serve. They serve God and they serve others. That's what awesome families do. Part of the reason I put on the work gloves is because it's not always a you know a butlerish type of serve. Not always clean and nice and tidy. Sometimes it's hands dirty, right? But awesome families are not selfish. I want to write that down. Average families, they're selfish. Average families, they have this mentality, okay? They haven't learned God's way. They have a mentality. And here's the mentality. Us four, no more. It's about us. Everybody that matters is in this house. We don't really care about beyond this. We look after our own. That's us. Can I tell you, that's some stinking thinking. And that is so much against God's word. Awesome families aren't selfish. Awesome families are thinking of other people and thinking of God. I tell you, I was, I was preparing these notes and my mind went back to me showing up in McDonough, Georgia. Didn't know a soul here. And I felt like God was calling me to plant a church. And you know what I had to do? In order to plant a church, I had to start casting a vision to reach lost people who were unconnected to God and given up on God and His church. But in order to do that, I had to talk to people, moms and dads and grandmas and granddads, and I had to say, hey, is there a chance that you and your family would come and help me plant a church that reaches lost people for Jesus? I can't give you a playground. I can't give you a a, a building. I can't give you a music program. I can't give you a gym. I I can't give you anything. I can't promise you anything. Would you be willing to be selfless? And would you be willing to take a chance and let your family learn to serve God and others? and it'll be a great sacrifice. Can I tell you that from the start of this church, we had some awesome families? I'm not talking about average families. We had some awesome families who understood that really good families, they're not selfish. They're selfless. And they understand that God put us on the planet for mission. God didn't put us on the planet to be selfish. God put us on the planet to serve the world. Awesome families serve God and they serve others really, really well. Look at the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and to do good deeds. See, you might want to write this in the notes here. What is that saying right there out of Hebrews? Uh, this is teaching us that it's not a this this Christ life is not about me. It's not about selfishness is about selflessness. It's important that awesome families teach our children two things. And real quickly, write these down. First one is this, it's not about me, all right? It's not about you. We have to teach our children that. It's not about you, all right? And the second thing is, God puts you on this planet for a mission. And we have awesome families teach their children why God put them on the planet. How cool is that? And God didn't put them on the planet to be selfish. Awesome families teach our children, it's not about you, And they teach our children, you were made for a mission. You were made for a purpose. And they model that in front of their children. Listen to these, just a couple of people, and I couldn't pass up this moment because I normally don't get to preach out of these scriptures. But there's a couple of places in scriptures where people were acknowledged because of how they led their families. And they had awesome families. And some of them were baby believers. But I just wanted to lift them up today because they're in scripture to kind of be like a trophy case of look what these people did and how they led their family. The first one was Cornelius. In Acts 10, 2, it says, He and all his family were devout, they were God-fearing, four things, watch this, they were devout, they were God-fearing, they gave generously to those in need, and they prayed to God regularly. This This was a new Christian, and his family was known for four things. He was known for, they were known for dedication, service, they were known for generosity, and they were known for prayer. What an awesome testimony of their family. What if your family was known for dedication, service, generosity, and prayer? And when people talk about your family, they said, have you ever seen a dedicated family to God to serve like that? Isn't that an awesome picture of an awesome family? Hey, look at this one. Do you remember, Steph- uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians sixteen fifteen. Do you remember Stephanas and his family? They were the first to become Christians in Greece. Baby Christians, right? They were the first to become Christians in Greece, and they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. So here's the idea. What if that was a picture of your family? When people talked about you, they said, man, that that family is selfish. They serve like that. That Stephanus and his family were known because they were spending their lives serving others. They weren't selfish. So question, mom, dad, grandma, granddad, question. Are you teaching your children to be selfish? Are you teaching your children to be selfish? Remember, Our children are going to model whatever they see us do. Whatever you're doing, they're going to start doing what you do. So, real quickly, awesome families learn how to have fun together, all right? There's going to be plenty of toil and work under the sun, Solomon said. Are you going to enjoy life with your family? Awesome families do that. Awesome families encourage growth. Everybody grows. Everybody's learning. Everybody's moving. And we teach very strategically because Moses told us we need to do it with our children. Walk along the roads, teach them, right? Put them to bed, teach them, right? Wake them up in the morning, teach them. Teach them God's path and God's way. And then awesome families are protecting us in the storms of life. And you're going to go through storms and every member is going to go through storms. We're there for each other when we go through storms. And then finally, awesome families are not selfish. They are selfless. They learn how to serve God and they learn how to serve others. Now, final thought. I want to end today's message. As we talk about how to fight for your family, I want to end today's message where I began. And is simply saying this. Awesome families don't happen by accident. Awesome families are not perfect families. They really aren't. But let me tell you what awesome families are. They're intentional. They choose to do these things. They choose to do these things over and over again. And when storms come or when stinking thinking happens or when life is way too serious, way too busy, way too stressful, they find a way to have fun. Awesome families, when we get a bent towards selfishness, they say, hey, we got to go serve God. we got to go serve others. And they find a way to be selfish. Awesome families are not perfect, but awesome families are very intentional. They're intentional around these things. You remember Joshua, final scripture. Joshua said these words, Choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Get your pen. You might want to circle that first word, choose. You see, at the end of the day, being an awesome family is a choice. All right? And Joshua was saying, as for me, listen, you can choose who you will. But as for me, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to do it his way. I've read a bunch of scripture to you today. I've I've preached and had a lot of scripture in this message today and I hope I've shared with you that that God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to grow and challenge and and be there for each other. He wants us to protect each other and he wants us to serve the world. I I hope you've put your arms around that. But at the end of the day, hey dad, can I just talk to you for a minute? How your family goes is up to you. It's your choice. Joshua said for him, Listen, I don't know how you're going to choose, but I'm going to choose God's plan for my family. I'm going to go God's way. Hey, Mom, you want an awesome family? It doesn't happen by accident. You'll have to choose. You will have to choose to be intentional. And you'll have to fight for your family. And listen, if there's somebody here today, your family's under attack, that should be a lot of us. Listen here. Listen, God's got you in church today because your family matters and he wants you to fight for your family we chose today to close this service with communion because oftentimes at communion we come to the table it's our place of being freed and forgiven but it's our place to walk away from the table and remember okay I'm on mission I'm on mission for God he sent me forth into a world in great need and you know what I pray that maybe if you're here with your family today or maybe you're here with your loved one or your spouse hey create a little space here My kids are off on retreat or off at college. I don't have my kids. But you know what I can do today? I can come to this table and I can spend some time with God and I can talk to him about my family, about my kids, about my marriage, about my mom, about my family, my brothers and sisters. There's a lot to be talked about with God when it comes to our family. So as you come, I pray that you will kind of hold your family up to God. And maybe like Joshua today, as you come to receive Holy Communion, you could say, you know what? I don't know about everybody else. But what I know is about me. And I'm going to choose God, and God's path, and God's plan for my family, and I'm going to fight for it. Hey, would you bow your heads for a minute? Instead of me praying for you, would you just listen to God's whisper about your family? What's God saying about your family? What's God saying about you? Hmm. Father, I thank you that you birth us in the families. I thank you that you give us physical families and I thank you that you give us spiritual families. Lord, we want our families to be strong. We want our families to walk together through the storms. We want our families to have fun together and enjoy life together. We want our families to be laboratories of growth where nobody's nobody's stuck. We want our families to walk into the kingdom of heaven together knowing that we didn't live selfish lives but we served you with everything we had. God, I pray for every family in our church today. And I pray for that family where Satan's been eating their lunch and he's been coming after him. he's been putting his finger, his bony finger in their chest, and he's been threatening them. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And I pray today you'd, you'd raise up a standard for that family. I pray you'd send your angelic host to that family. I pray you'd, you'd help that dad know how to be a godly dad you help that mom know how to be a godly mom. you let those grandparents know how to walk your way and teach those children the right way. And Lord, I pray for every family in this church to honor you and to grow towards you, God. And I pray for every family in this church to bless you. Oh God, help us to have blessed, awesome, successful families. Lord, help us to have a blessed and awesome and successful church. Or we're the family of God together. We thank you for your presence in this place, oh God.